All right. Are we ready for this? Our think... first morning edition, right? Our first morning what? recording of uh... <laughs> you got the... <laughs> I, I... You got the morning sun. Yeah, like I was telling you off off air, it it's it's a vaulted ceiling and those windows don't have blinds. So I'm going to be in the sun here in about five minutes. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> I hate to tell you this. It's gotten even worse literally just in the last like I know. It's, 90 oh, seconds. In in two and a half minutes, I'll be completely in the sun and be blinded. I'm, I'm probably going to be scarred. My retinas will be scarred for the rest of my life, I think. You're going to be very angelic. You're going to have the sun ah, shining down on you, which we yes. know is not true. Right. Thanks, God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of God, Whoa. since you brought it up, so I've got I've got a great uh, meet Jeff and Bernie question. Ooh. Okay, but I don't want to get sounds, into I don't want to get into it right that now. That sounds dangerous. No, actually. I I I came up with it. I I think about the most random stuff sometimes. Like like unfortunately, and I don't know if you're this way, but as I've gotten older, I have a tough time sleeping. Uh you know, I I don't I don't feel like I need as much sleep, which which is is good, but um like there'll be some nights I I have no problem falling asleep. You know, I go to bed sometimes like last night I was exhausted. I uh, had a huge weekend on the real estate side and um, a, a good weekend, but awesome. uh, was, was just totally exhausted. So fell asleep last night about 1030. But then I wake up at like 4 a.m. Just wide awake. Do you ever do that? And you just can't go back to sleep? All the time. Yeah. All the time. I feel and like it's actually normal for our age. I think it is. And I think it's exacerbated for me when I have a couple drinks. You know, if I've been out to dinner, have, yeah. you know, a couple of glasses of wine maybe one or two more than I should. Yeah, man, I'm up and then I'm up for the rest of the night. And it's, it's, it's an awful feeling. Like I'll get up at three 30 and be like, Oh man. All right. You know, and then, then it gets in your head, right? You start tossing and turning, you start yeah. thinking about it. Like, man, I'd really like to go back to sleep. And the next <laughs> yeah. thing you know, your brain's wide awake, you know? But, yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, is if I try to, if, if I try to just like, I've tried to just go with it, right. It'd be mm -hmm. like four twenty in the morning. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll just get up and go. Then I'm just miserable the rest of the day. Absolutely. I mean, I'm just lousy. And yeah. and Kathy's looking at me like, God, go back to bed. Jeez, you know. Like, what if I could, right? Yeah. I mean, that's I, right. Yeah. I had the same exact problem. That's so funny. So I just kind of lay there and I think about things. So again, I don't want to get into this because because we want to tackle a whole different subject today. But what well, do you want me to say? Or you want me to you want me to tell you? I mean, you know, if you want to jump into it, Jeff, I've, I'm feeling kind of froggy today. So I, I actually, I actually, well, I don't know. I don't know if I, cause I can ask you the question, but I don't know if I know, know what my response would be, but, uh, but what I do Hold know. That's all right. You look right now. You look like some sort of just like awesome star Wars figure, right? I feel like one of the like, inquisitors from the new Kenobi movie. Like when Darth Kenobi Vader, I can't show. remember, I can't remember which, uh, which movie it was, but, uh, when Darth Vader goes in front of his boss, you know, his, uh, his emperor, the emperor. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's what you look like right now. It's so freaking. Well, awful. that's unfortunate because that that's is an ugly, ugly, scarred person. So that's uh no, no, I'm talking about the one where he goes in front of it and you can barely uh, see him. It's just kind of a silhouette, kind of a shadow with some oh, creepy yeah. lighting. Oh yeah. That's I'm, oh, I'm feeling God. that way. If I, I wonder if it's going to happen, I would have downloaded. Oh, there your camera adjusted. Tonight, now you're back. Nah, no, it's now it's dark. No, nah, yeah. It's, it's, Wait it's, till you watch this back. Yeah, this this is going to be a struggle. All right. So, maybe yeah, I'll if you want to, maybe I'll do some some post production. Uh, if you want to ask music. me, jump in. And, and I've got my lights on and everything, so it's just we're losing the battle to the sun today. Yeah, Mother Nature, you're never going to win that battle. No. Okay, so all right, so so 
I did hear from our fans last week, and by fans I mean my college roommate, that he was <laughs> he was upset that we didn't do meet Jeff and Bernie last week. But again, uh, this 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 is a huge subject. Um, but one that I that again random thought. Mm-hmm. When you pass away, see already dark, right? Already dark. When you pass away, do you want to be cremated or do you want to be buried? Me or other cremated? Really? Yeah. I mean, any any I, any f- philosophical or religious re- reasons or? Sorry. I mean, come on. I think burying people in the ground personally is just kind of an antiquated. What what good's it doing? other than taking up space, you know, I mean, your, your family has to spend thousands of dollars on a coffin, right? You've got to go through this whole process. And when you're cremated, let's say I want my ashes spread on the beaches of Charleston, right? Which is probably something that I would request. You can do that. Can't do it with a coffin. Can't just throw a coffin out there on the beach. Right. So, I mean, there's just, there's, there's, there's more ways that you can kind of, spiritually take place in your own death other than being placed in a box and just having time rot you away. I, I just, I don't get that part of it. I really don't. Wow. I get, I get the whole funeral thing for your family to have last respects and everything yeah. like that. I mean, that's a personal thing for each member of a family, but for me personally, I just don't get it. I just that's, don't that's, get it. um, wow. That's, that's really good. I, I, uh, Mine is is more out of fear and out of selfishness, I think, because I'm kind of with you. Like like right now, I, like do you have a will? Do you, do you have a will that says that that you want to be? I, I don't, and I should, even though I have literally nothing to give anyone. But I probably should have a living will of some sort. But I say, but still, in your will, it, it talks about stuff like that. You know, yeah, how, how I, you how you want to how you want your body to be taken care of and that kind of yeah. stuff. So I, I well, guess I, I need I, to do that. I, I haven't really approached those types of things yet. Yeah, you can do them for fairly inexpensive. It doesn't cost yeah. a lot of money. Um, I, I I tend to to um, agree with you because I, I feel like when I when I was thinking about it, I know just random thoughts, right? It's so freaking random. But I was I was thinking the same thing. I think I'd like to be cremated. But the thing is, is that is that I'm I'm so I'm such a social person, and I love to be around people. Obviously, in our jobs, right? We're around people all the time, and. And I'm scared to be alone in death. And I feel like, like when, when my, when my cousin passed away, I know I, Hey, wait a second. I didn't make fun of you. Don't give me a word. I'm not look. making fun of you. I'm just saying, but you're dead. No judge zone here in borderline, but you're dead. Your, your spirit, Am I? Has go- your spirit, if you believe in that sort of thing or your soul do, has moved, has moved on. It's not trapped in that box. So it's moved on somewhere else. So the only thing that's in that box is a lifeless corpse. That's it. Yeah, there's there's something about the transition for me though that I think would be comforting to know that like when my cousin passed away, he was he was only uh, gosh, I think he was 40 years old several years ago now. It was about 5 years ago. Um he was cremated and his mom kept some of his ashes, his his wife, his widow kept some of his ashes, his kids did and they and they, you know, keep a little bit of him with them. And I think I think as as I were to make the transition, I think that that would be comforting to me. Knowing yeah. that some of me would be with Kathy, some would be with Derek, some would be with Noel, 
you know, or or maybe nobody if nobody wants any. I don't know. It's just a weird thought. I, no, I, I, the, I, I the, like but it. But these things, as you get older, it's like it's like unfortunately these 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 thoughts um, creep into your head, right? It's just it's Jeff, just weird. Take me through while you're dealing with your own mortality right now. Yeah, it's just weird. <laughs> and again, with everything going on right now, with all of our travel. And again, with the real estate stuff going on, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just. Wow, you're going to bring up that sort of thing as I'm getting ready to get on a plane in a couple hours. Now that, that's, man, that's rough. That, that is. Yeah, I told you we didn't have to go here. No, that's fine. I, I, I'm all about this sort of conversation. No, I, I do like what you're saying. <laughs> anyone, about anyone your... who wants to listen about cornhole right now, by the way, they're like, "What the hell what? is going on?" Our yeah. guest today, by the way, John Williams. Uh, he's a former Harlem Globetrotter. Uh, he, he's become just a, a terrific friend of mine just recently. Uh, he and I only met just a few months ago uh, back during the basketball season. We did some ESPN games together. Uh, actually, we did the Big South Conference basketball tournament together. And uh, outstanding guy. And when I asked him to be on the show, I said, by the way, I said the name of the show is Borderline. I said, Bernie's my guy. He's, he's like, I know. He's like, I've watched the show. He's like, I love your show. He's like, it's so unpredictable. He's like, I never know where you guys are going. He's, he's like, he's like, oh, oh. Okay, they just went there, and then yeah. and then it'll be somewhere else. And so he he's enjoyed it, or maybe he's just being a nice guy. I don't know. Yeah, he's probably being nice. Hey, but you guys called it in the biscuit, right? Yes, I forgot that's what you call it, the biscuit. Yeah, yeah, that's what we call it now since Bojangles is the prime sponsor. I saw so many good games and so many cool concerts in that building growing up. Is this, by the way, is this your transition to get out of the uncomfortemness of talking no, about what we do with our can, bodies we can, when we die? We can, we can talk about ashes all day long, man. I, <laughs> I have no problem with it. I do like, actually, I do like your thought that you can somehow at least, uh, God, my brain's not working, but you can be with your, your friends and you know, your family and your friends if necessary, like if they want a piece of you. Yeah. You know, symbolically in, in the afterlife, I think that is kind of a cool thing, even though I think it's a touch morbid to have like, yes, like, like when you go to someone's house and their significant other or their parent or what have you is kind of on display in an urn that kind of creeps me out. Yeah. Uh, but, I you agree. know, if you're if you're somewhere kind of, you know, locked away somewhere in a closet or somewhere where you're still by their side, theoretically, but not just on display for everyone to see. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. You know, you know what I mean? Like if they got you on the in an urn up on the mantle, and then every yeah. time you walk in the living room, everyone has to kind of, oh, yeah, Jeff's dead. I mean, like it's just, I don't know. That, that seems a little, yeah, a little morbid. But I mean, look, some people, it makes people feel better. It makes the, whatever makes the people actually, as, as we talk through this, that are having to go through your loss. Whatever makes them feel better is probably best, right? I mean, they're the ones that have to deal with your loss. You're gone. You are that's, no longer. Yes, I totally agree. You're, you're yeah. no longer dealing with anything on that level. So they're the ones that have to go through it. So maybe it's really their decision. That, that's why I, that's why I started this by saying I feel like my thoughts maybe are a little bit selfish because it's something that I think would help me, you know, in that transition. But. But yeah, you're right. It's a self. It's kind of a selfish thought because it really, it's it's more about how the people who are still here deal with yeah. it. Hey, by the way, speaking of which, because I, I want to say something, but but I know Kathy listens to the show, and I, I was listening to we we listen to all kinds of different different uh, podcasts. By the way, Smartless. I don't know. I don't know if I brought this up. By the way, uh, with Jason Bateman, yeah. Sean Hayes. I told you I saw that live in New York. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's such a great podcast. Um, and then Daddy Issues with Joe Buck and Oliver Hudson. I I, I uh, listen to there sometimes, and uh, they get off on some of these weird tangents like we do sometimes as well. But it was funny because I was listening, and Joe Buck got into a lot of trouble with his wife because of something <laughs> that they were talking about. Because uh, apparently he used to have a thing for Oliver Hudson, Kate Hudson, um, and they got into it on the podcast. And and Joe Buck's wife is listening and uh, gave him some some pretty good heat about it. So, but that's yeah. that's something that I've learned about doing this podcast is that, you know, when we get into some sensitive and personal issues, you know, our family's out there listening. So we put ourselves out there. It's you know, it's yeah, you never, you know, you never know who's listening. So the yeah. reason I say that, by the way, is that Kathy. And I know she's going to hear this. Kathy has saved the ashes from her dogs that have passed. Yeah, my mom does that. I'm not a big fan of that. <laughs> Why? I'm just going to say. I mean, you're that. saying just, that you want we, yourself. I know. What in I the know, world? But it's, but it's a pet. Isn't Dude, there a difference? No. No, There's no difference not, at all. Not, not if you're an animal lover. God, I wish this was live so we could get some like comments and go to the phones. Let's I, go to Kentucky, line one. You ask anyone that really cares and loves their dog, their oh, cat, I get it. their horse, or whatever, that's a yeah. family member. That is a family member. But it's a little, but again, go back to your point then. All right, let's just, all right, whether it's human or whether it's pet remains, it is a little awkward um, when you find out what it is and it's and it's up there on the mantle. I, yeah, it's funny that you say this because it is a little different in the sense that as much of a family member as pets are, every person that goes into that knows that you're only going to get them for a very limited time. You know, I guess you could say we're all here for a limited time anyway, but right. I'm saying pets, you know, you've got, depending on the pet, five to say 20 years with that pet. And you know that going in, right? So you know there's going to be a death with that pet at some point. So I, I don't get the ickiness of it being like my mom does it. I think, I think my mom has all, as a matter of fact, I've got the ashes of a former pet. Uh, I wouldn't say, yeah, they're out. They're kind of on a bedside table in my mom's old house. That the A bedside that table. Mm -hmm. Huh? So not even a shelf in the living room. No, it's, it's, it's in, and you're you okay know, with You're okay. It's with, in the with... room that I use. It's not out in display for everyone to walk in and see. I mean, the right. only probably one other person that's going to see that room besides me. Right. So are so, you okay with having these ashes? Like, are you going to keep these ashes? Uh, it's a really good question. Probably, but I probably won't keep them out. They'll probably, when I move a lot of, I mean, I kind of use my mom's place for a little storage actually. So, you know, <laughs> uh, one day when I get some more stuff out of there, I'll probably take it. He was my buddy, man. Time was my buddy. Yeah. T H Y M E. I forget this probably is spelled it. Jeez, wow. How the hell? Did I, I told you. I, I was. That's why I didn't want to start this because because then this leads me to another question about about religion. And but but we we got it. We got to We got to speak in the transitioning. We got to transition. We've, yeah, we've been on. We've been religion. on this. That's that's a whole been, show. We've been Religion's on this topic now for for fifteen minutes. Haven't even mentioned cornhole except for me religion. saying that we weren't talking when, cornhole. When we get to religion, we're probably going to have some people dislike me. So we'll we'll save that for another day. Hey, no no judgment zone. No judgment. No zone. judgment zone. I, I I will I will speak my mind on religion. <laughs> so how the hell am I supposed to transition now yeah. from talking about what we want to do with our bodies when have we die? Fun, have fun with back that. back to cornhole Let's and what go. we really wanted to talk about today. Let's but, go. But I better get, I, there there is no easy trans 
transition other than to say we better get to it because coming up here in about three or four minutes, again, John Williams, uh, he played at UNC Asheville, standout college basketball player, went to the NCAA tournament, and then uh, made the decision instead of playing pro. Actually, I think he did play pro briefly, but he became a Harlem Globetrotter and traveled around the country, 50 states, over 40 countries, playing basketball uh, with the Harlem Globetrotters. And uh, I wanted to bring him on today. There's so many things we can talk about because he's been so successful just in life with everything he does. Great motivational guy, terrific guy. But I thought he'd be great to speak to as we're going into a really busy time here. I mean, we've got back-to-back-to-back to back to back now, pretty much, coming up of pro shootouts on, on, on national TV. Uh, where our players are going to be featured. So, you know, we're coming up, obviously, we're going to uh, Phoenix, and then we're going to Vegas, and then out to the Seattle area. So so we talk all the time, and I can already tell I'm going to run out of time, not going to be able to play this clip. <laughs> and damn it, because I did such a good job. You did. Like, like I got this clip off of the TV. I recorded it. Run half of it. Run half of it. I recorded it with my phone and then had to convert it it from my phone into an email, then had to go from .mov. I had to convert it to MP. Trey Ryder would be so damn proud of me and got it to where I could put it on the computer and play it. So so it it was Chris Busher, who's a fairly – he's not a rookie, but he's a fairly new driver on the circuit in NASCAR. It's only like 19 seconds, so I can play it real quick. So anyway, this this, when when our players ask me, you know, you know, well, what do I say on the air when you when you interview me? Um, if if you if you're a player and you're listening and you want some help, if you get if you get what I want the players to get today is if you ever get nervous and and all of a sudden you just freeze and you don't know what to say. What I tell the players all the time when they ask me, Jamie Graham and I were just talking about this. I think Noah and I have been talking about this. Um, just tell me about your day. It's a long day of qualifying, right? right. During these shootouts, tell me what happened. Tell me what happened that day. Tell me, tell me about a close call that you had. Tell me about a big win that you had. And then thank the people that got you there. That's what I tell them all the time. So here, hopefully you can hear this, is a great example. Chris Busher was racing last weekend and wrecked, right? Obviously disappointed. Right away has to face the media. So here's Chris Busher. Well, a great night of racing comes to a frightening halt for Chris Busher. Just glad to see that he's out of the infield care center. Okay, how do you describe what we just saw there? Uh, I was a little painful. It's quite a shame. Our fifth third bank Mustang was was really good tonight. Our team did a terrific job from uh, from the start of the weekend through qualifying and into the race, and uh, we were able to drive our way up in the top ten. Uh, throughout the night, we we're in a really good place sitting there. Had a couple t- sets of tires left, and really proud of everybody's effort there. Just a shame to uh, to be involved in that. So we checked out for it. We got running from behind and uh, finally sent the replay. I guess I guess the tire just ripped off and sent us flipping. So. Uh, uh, I, I guess I had been upside down before, but I was the ones with a bit more painful than the Talladega roll. So, again, just appreciate everybody at Fifth Third Bank on board. It's uh, just doing a good job for them. We were enjoying it. Uh, team did a nice job. Just that's a bummer. Mike. All right. So, I thought that was a perfect example. So, tell me about your day, which you did, and then thank you, got you there. Just, just a simple crutch, maybe, to fall back on. No, yeah. no, I get it. He's done. He's done a few interviews. You know, he he did it on on the circuit on his way up, and now he's a NASCAR driver, so he has a bit more practice. I thought that was a good example of just keeping it simple. Yeah, I, I I understand that some of our players are just, I guess, if you want to say, shy people. Some of them are, but not all of them, right? I mean, I, I we watch them walk around and how they interact with each other. And they're talking, they're laughing. They know how to talk. It's, yeah. they, they literally know how to speak. 
to other human beings. That's all you're doing. The fact that someone's got a camera there and they put a headset on you, just ignore that. You're just talking. Like, I think one of the problems for, for them is it's very hard to see you and Trey. All right, let's say we get done with a match. They come over and they go to the step and repeat and they do the interview behind you guys. Yeah. It's very hard for them to see you. And I think that that messes with their head because I can have a conversation with you all day about anything, but the moment I'm just talking to a lens, it changes things. Now we just have to get them to figure you know, it, it's not any different. Just look at that lens and that's Jeff, that's Trey. That's where the question's coming from that lens. You can see even in our, uh, if you go back and watch our super hole thing from, uh, from Shamar Moore's house, the, uh, God, I can't remember his name. My brain's so bad. The player from the Rams that we had there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, looking at me, trying to look at me and David during the interview that we had with him. Instead correct. of just looking it at is the awkward. lens. That's, and, that's a good point. And I, I think it just kind of takes away a little bit of that. And that we just need to get them to just forget about how awkward. It's, it's not like, all right, to me, it's a lot easier talking into a lens than it is standing in front of a group of 30 people. Right. That's interesting because ironically for me, I don't like talking into the lens. It's strange to me. I'd rather be, you know what we need to do? We need to, we need to get those cutout heads and put them on either side of the camera. <laughs> right. I mean, but to me, like I, you, you put me in front of a room of like 30 people or bigger, however, yeah. I'm, I'm going to hate that. I'm going to despise that type of public speaking. So you'd you, rather you, the camera. You lens. and I just sitting here talking, I can look into a lens. I mean, yeah. It's, interesting That's it's good. a little it's a little mechanical thing that has no real value to me so I, I don't feel anything from it so i can talk however i want to talk and i think we can just get them to adjust to that and have that kind of mindset you know maybe that might help all right well that that is enough from the two of us so let's let's bring in our guest today and i actually i actually wrote out a little bit of a bio so i'm gonna actually read this because this guy is such a stud i just didn't want to leave anything out although i know i did all right so we talked about this earlier so john williams former college basketball standout at unc Asheville, took his team to the ncaa tournament back in 2011 but at the time that he graduated he was one of just three players in the history of the big south to finish his career with over a thousand points over 600 rebounds and over 200 blocks and again outside of the Asheville, north carolina area he's probably most known as John the Jet Williams, as he uh, toured around with the Harlem Globetrotters for several years. We could talk to him about that and played in 50 states and over 40 countries. Um, he's also worked as a certified MBA trainer and now also a, a state champion high school basketball coach. So again, this guy's such a winner. Uh, I'm so, so proud to, to be able to call him a friend and so happy he could join us on the show today. So welcome to Borderline for the first time, John Williams. What's up, my man? How you guys doing? Good. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much. Last minute for coming on with us. You and I were joking. I, I, I knew I wanted to talk about what we were talking about before you came on. I was thinking to myself, man, who could talk about this that I know? And and you can touch on so many topics, but I thought you'd be perfect to, to come on this week. So thanks for joining us. Hey, man, thank you guys for having me. Um, I thought when we spoke yesterday that this was a great topic to touch on because you see it more times uh, than you can imagine. So it's it's good that we're touching on it. That's awesome. So before we before we jump into this, when you and I were talking yesterday about the show and about you watching the show, and you're like, "Man, you guys are like all over the place." <laughs> wait, wait till you yeah. watch this episode back. So we <laughs> we began the show, and this is not going to surprise you. We began the show with whether or not we'd rather be cremated or buried when we die. 
I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like, what? The, where the hell are we going? Yeah, I'm I'm with that. Hey, man, like I, I saw <laughs> one of your shows, and uh, it had me it had me dying laughing because I was just like, where is this thing going? Where at first I usually just click and then like I click away, but then like I really wanted to know how this thing was going to turn out because I just. <laughs> I had no idea. So you're keeping butts in the seats. That's that's one thing I'll tell you. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Just and all it is is you guys are just going on your tangents, having like you know thought processes that you got to get out. And then it's it's fun. It's fun to watch. It's entertaining. It's a train wreck. It's a hot mess. That's Absolutely. Cool. Hey, John, I have a question. All right. So growing up in North Carolina, big yeah. basketball fan. It's kind of a religion for anyone that's ever grown up or spent time in the state. But yeah. my first real memory of being a young child and something that really brought me to the game was going to see Meadowlark Lemon, Curly Neal, and, and the old school Harlem Globetrotters back in the old Charlotte Coliseum where y'all called the Big South Tournament as a kid. Yeah. And, I mean, can, can you, how cool was that to play with the Harlem Globetrotters? I just have to know. It was fantastic. And honestly, uh, it gives you a sense of pride once you, actually get drafted by him. I got drafted by him. And then after I got drafted by him, you know, you go to boot camp and a large portion of boot camp is understanding the history and all the ones that came before you and and the legacy that you're wearing and the brand that you're wearing on your chest. It it goes over a hundred years. It's over a hundred years now yeah. of representation of good quality, fun uh basketball that I, I would say push the envelope at a time frame uh, early that most people would never even have thought to try to touch. And so it's it was a dream come true once I found out and once I was educated on it to be a part of something um, and some something like that and such a great legacy. So, John, let's let's get to this here. And again, you know, as you and I talked about yesterday, I'm not sure how much time we're going to have. To yeah. get to everything that I want to talk to you about, because you can speak to so many subjects. But, but here, here's the deal: that that the the large picture is that we have all of a sudden these cornhole players mm. who are fantastic at doing something. Yeah, and this thing that they do all of a sudden is on national TV. So we have electricians, we have plumbers, we have city inspectors, we have contractors, we have salesmen and women. We have yeah. people who clean houses. We have a Taco Bell manager. We have all these players who who all of a sudden are playing a sport at a very high level and find themselves on national TV. Yeah. And so I think, John, that it's difficult, you know, for them to to make that tr that transition and to, you know, one look at themselves as as an athlete, you know, and, and being on national TV, and and two dealing with that. So I, I guess I guess the first thing is, and I just showed an interview with uh, Chris Busher from last week, last week's race when he wrecked out, and and just just a great example of of kind of keeping it simple. But you you and you can speak to this because you're on both sides. You're an ESPN broadcaster now, but but you've also been a player, so you had to deal yeah. with media questions. So how how did you how did you when you were coming up as a young player at UNC Asheville? You know, be, before, you know, when you first got there as a freshman, obviously you didn't know how to deal with the media. By the time you're a senior, you're going to the NCAA tournament, then you're a Harlem Globetrotter. How did you get better? How did you adjust? How did, how did you get used to being in front of the camera and doing interviews? Uh, I bombed my first interview. I'll tell you that <laughs> right away. But just because I didn't have the proper training. And a lot of the times when you want to be good at something, you've got to practice it. 
and you got to get more reps at it. Just like in basketball, when it comes to shooting, if I want to be a good shooter, I've got to rep that thing out consistently at a constant clip to make sure that I'm ready to execute that in the game. And so nothing is more, you know, I, I think experience is great, but also you don't want to get that experience in front of millions of people that are watching and fail uh, miserably, especially early with social media. Like back then, you can't even find that interview probably. Now that thing is floating all over the place. So it makes sense to have uh, PR training and practice prior to that, uh, especially if you if you know what you're getting into now. But these guys are getting thrown into the fire. And, you know, obviously they haven't had that kind of training as the game continues to evolve like it is, uh, you'll probably see more and more of that. But the thing that I think about more times than not is uh, Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights when he first uh, got – remember he put his hands up, I don't know what to do with my hands, and uh, do I put them down, and uh, he kept putting his hand over the mic and uh, two-word answers. So you got to think uh, that's what a lot of these guys are going through. Uh, they got thrown into it without proper preparation and practice. And you're seeing the product of it. But what they're also saying is, wow, I got to get a little bit better at that. Because at the end of the day, you do have your family name on your back. At one point, it was a situation where, you know, you were just playing cornhole in your backyard, cooking everybody else in the cookout with a beer in your hand. And all you're doing is trash talking. And I think one thing that a lot of people have to find out what they need to do better at is they've got to code themselves to be ready for it as well. It can't just be, um, you know, a, a conversation like they would have in the backyard at the cookout because it's most likely going to be explicit. Right. All right. I'm just saying it is going to be some explicit. It's going to be. Some that, I'm just saying that based on my cornhole battles, um, they get, a, <laughs> they get a little heated. Um, obviously, especially, so you, you just got to think, you know, how these guys are wired and how they came up, um, playing it to be good at it, um, was more on a record recreational standpoint. And now they're thrown into the professional standpoint. And even though they're good enough to play the professional standpoint, they also have to be able to deliver, um, from a media point of view as well. I, to touch on that point. All right. So for example, big leagues, NBA, NFL, major league baseball, NHL, they put them through a training process. They're, they're, you know, there's a seminar that they they put the kids through when they get to the league. We're not to that point yet at the ACL. Yeah. You know, we that that type of weekend costs ungodly amounts of money. We're Absolutely. not at that point. So, what would your hint or what would your piece of advice be to those players? Because look, as as the ACL as an organization, we're sending certain people out to do certain types of functions in front of the press that we know can handle talking in front of the press. Well, as it turns out, some of those players aren't really at the top of the sport anymore. They were maybe two, three years ago, but the sport, like any other sport, is evolving and time passes and things change. But we can't seem to find anyone. Well, we've, we've maybe a couple that we can kind of point to and say, all right, that's our that's our next star. But what would your piece of advice be to the players to say, hey, look, you're going to have to do this on your own. How do you get better at handling interviews? Yeah, there were. So I'll give you an example. When I was with the Globetrotters, um, we took PR training. Everybody took PR training um, and you got paid extra if you were considered an ambassador as well as a player. 
because if you're an ambassador, you do all the PR work. You get to do the legwork prior to get people ready to to see the Globetrotters come into your town where you visit radio stations, you visit uh, YMCA's hospitals, you're on every news station um, in that area and that radius. And and so they choose people. Everybody takes the class, but they choose one or two like you guys are doing now um, that uh, seem to thrive a little bit more naturally in it. And so it, I wasn't natural at it. I just wanted to do it. And so what I did was I just went on uh, you know, and and took some classes, additional classes on top of the PR training that they gave us because I wanted that extra raise there. And I also wanted to be able to save my legs so that I'm while I'm not on the road, I'm still making money by, you know, talking and and communicating and marketing the brand. And so I would say that there are all types of resources out there now that are very inexpensive that you don't have to uh, pay an arm and a leg for to get more comfortable in those in those situations. Uh, you know, with me, I use just a couple of like classes that I saw on on Udemy and I was able to take them and then and, and run with them and uh, continue to get better at what I wanted to what I wanted to do. And so I think it's it's all about what they want. If they really want to get better at that and see that there's a need for them to get better at it, they'll do it. And one of the other things was I just didn't want to be embarrassed because um, they throw everybody out there in the fire. Uh, they throw everybody out there. But uh, I told you before, you got your family name on your back and you want to make sure that you represent them to the best of your ability. Because I don't know about your family, but my cousins, my uncles, all of them, if I don't do a good job, they'll let me know. Uh, <laughs> and it's not in a it's not in a critic like a critiquing way, like where I'm trying to give you some constructive criticism. They'll just let you know what what were you trying to get across there, huh? And it's a it is a joke. <laughs> and so I that's me personally, but I wanted to make sure that I I did and represented not only the brand that I was speaking for, but my family brand to the best of my ability. I think you bring up two terrific points. Um, and, and Bernie, I don't think you and I have talked about this before, but yeah, the the pressure of social media because yeah. you're right, John. The first time you bombed on an interview, even even though you're not an old guy. That that's that's not all over the the internet, right? <clears throat> yeah, all over social exactly. media. Exactly. But nowadays, you bomb, and it's absolutely everywhere. So yeah, that that's that's a whole different wrinkle and level of pressure that I don't think I've I've thought about before. But the other the other point is, and, and this is, Bernie, you and I were talking about this off air yesterday, is that our players need to do a good job of practicing. And I, I gave the example of back when I was in the minor leagues. I, I was I was a minor league baseball broadcaster for almost 10 years and there were players you know as the as the season began as soon as I would go back into the locker room or the clubhouse with my with my recorder literally guys would run from me because they didn't because they didn't want to you know be a part of an interview at all but as the season would go on and they would see other people do it they'd realize hang on a second I need to I need to I need to do this I need to own this I need to practice this I need to seek Jeff out and 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 get better at this because they knew it was good for their brand and it was good for them you know if they were going to go to the major leagues it was practice just like batting practice and i and i think that's a great point that that our players have to do is is try and practice try and seek out ways of having these conversations and and being in an interview situation so that they can get better at it and get comfortable with it yeah and that's, I, that's probably one of the best ways to do it i you know looking at it just just 
off the top of my head, one of the problems, we have so many young kids that are now kind of bursting on the scene, scene, 16, 17, 18, 19, and their ego hasn't formed well enough yet to where they can, like, it's all about being cool, right? They don't want to seem like, you know, the practice with some friends and all that seems kind of nerdy and silly to them, and their ego kind of won't let them be nerdy and silly. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense to you guys? And they, need to, and they need to flip that around and realize if they really want their ego to be a part of it, I'd want to be on TV all the time. And the easiest way to do that, A, you got to be a decent player. But if you can talk, if you can hold an interview, you're going to be on TV. The ACL will find places to put you on television. Yeah. So I just wish they I don't know if they're old enough yet to really grasp all all that's ahead of them. So I. I just I wish it was a way that you could talk to a teenager and make them understand. But I think time has proven that that's pretty difficult to do. It, it, it is. It's hard also for adults, I think, too, as far as like whenever I call a game or something, it takes everything in my being to go back and watch the film so that I can critique myself and figure out what I did wrong. It is difficult to do. Um, but one of the ways that you figure out how to continue to grow and and get better in your in your craft is to watch and watch yourself fail. You know where you bombed at most of the time. It's like, gosh, I, I probably should have, have said this instead of this. But you you don't ever want to go back and watch it because it's just something hard. I don't know what it is about the human nature, but it's it's very difficult for us. It, it's super and, hard for me. Jeff can do it at the drop of a hat. He no, 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 no. I I cannot. And John, 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 I think you and I even maybe had a conversation about this in Charlotte yeah. in Charlotte back during the tournament because you've done such a good job of being able to put together basically hype tapes of, of yourself yeah. to get other jobs. Yeah. It's really hard for me to do that because I cannot stand mm. watching and listening to myself. And, and you were telling me that you've got a guy who who kind of helps you and kind of puts it together for you. And that's that's what I need is someone like that because it is, Bernie. It's really hard Man, I can't for me. It. Even I mean, they replay Cornhole on ESPN all the time right <laughs> yeah, and yeah. by the way we don't get any money for that but that's whole subject. <laughs> but they replay it all the time and it's it's hard for me to watch i i normally will watch and if it's not a big moment um i'll i'll, I'll change it because i'm uncomfortable listening to my own voice but john yeah. that is such a great point whether you bomb or not to watch yourself you watch yourself play basketball you scouted yourself to figure yeah. out how you could get better that's a great it, point L listen and watch hard. yourself after you've done it it's hard to do. And as a basketball player, like, you know, other people critiquing you, that goes back to our social media thing as well. Like if you make a mistake, any mistake, I mean, it's you see how it is. Like I remember my first like negative critique on on social media, which I don't get much, uh, mainly because I'm, I'm normally just the ESPN plus guys, just parents out there. But from time to time, I'll jump on the you or or two or something like that. And uh, that's where I start to get it. And they were like, who, who, who is this guy? When I, when I first heard that, it wasn't even a lot. Like I, I wanted to say something to them immediately. I'm John. That's who I am. And you know, <laughs> and so, um, I'm it, John the jet Williams. Yeah. I, listen, it, it really, it, it really does take you somewhere. Um, but it, it's that mental barrier that we all have to try to get over. And you just think about these professional athletes that just you know, most of them can let it roll off their shoulders. Some of them will engage, but most of them can let it roll off their shoulders and, um, you know, figure out that most, normally it's either at the heat of the heat of emotion or it's based on just clout because everybody that's that's what's hot to do right now is to 
you know, say something negative about somebody that may be flourishing online or something like that. So it just, it's, it's tough. But once you can get through that, you usually can raise out of those ashes as a phoenix, but you got to get, go through it a little bit. And that is so difficult. I mean, I've, you know, when I, when I made my last uh, clip from this past year, I just remember it was just, I'd go back and watch because I still got to send it to my guy that cuts it up. And um, it was rough where I, there was several times where I was just like, what was I doing there? Was I tired? Was I hydrated? But I need to know that. So next time around, when I go on TV and I talk, I'm make sure I hydrate. Let me make sure that instead of me using this, I'll use this. Um, and so it's it's just the ebbs and flows of growth. And I think it's it's something that a lot of people need to do, uh, especially if you're going to continue to be in front of that camera, uh, those those professionals uh, to watch themselves bomb a couple of times so that they can make the the proper adjustments. I think the real reason that your tape that you're uncomfortable with your tape is because your play by play guy sucked. Man, the yeah, good Lord, man, you set me <laughs> up. Hey, you know what? Um, and this is something that I think could help a lot of those guys as well. Kind of what you were doing with me and a lot of my play by play guys do this with me. We will talk and talk about what we're about to talk about before we go live. Right. Yeah. So we'll talk about a couple of topics and we'll say, you know, so-and-so shots on uh, Kyla McMakin. She's, she's making some incredible shots. Why do you think that is? And I'll say, well, they're putting a lot of pressure on this end of the floor. And once the ball's getting down the rainbow, she's got her shot to be able to create off of a bad closeout. So then you ask that same question when we go live and I say it just like that and it sounds fluid. And so it's, it's those types of things that, I found out and I found this out by being a sideline reporter for a local news station on on high school sports, because you got to think about this. Now I'm dealing with high school kids and parents um, that are really uncomfortable being in front of a camera. So what I started to do was because when I just ask them something out of the blue, they turn they turned into Ricky Bobby with their hands. Right. <laughs> so then I, I started to say, OK, well, let's let's um, talk about it beforehand. And then I would ask that same question and then they would at least be able to put together and formulate a couple of sentences that would, you know, do their family proud. And so it's that those little things, those little nuances that you can do to kind of make sure that at least on our end as interviewers, that we're properly preparing them for it. Now, sometimes it's just nothing you can do. Yeah. Once that light goes on, once that camera's in their face and you say the exact same thing, they freeze up. And so uh, that comes with the reps that we talked about prior. Yeah, that's 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 an interesting point, John. I mean, I I could I could try doing that with our interviews. I could try doing with our interviews like like you and I do behind the scenes. We're doing a broadcast. Well, Jeff, well, that, we were, do you really think you can do that though? Because if you think about it, with our I don't sport, know. with our sport, you've got a match, right? It ends. You don't know who you're interviewing until that match is over. You've got a three minute break max. They've got mm. they've yeah. got to leave the court. Do what they do there. Come over, get set up. That's a minute and a half, two minutes probably. All you know how all the guys behind the scenes, the production crew, they're running around, they're going crazy. So you don't really have time to mm. really discuss right. things with them. I mean, for the most right. part, maybe maybe if you get one of those double breaks, you do. But for the most part, you don't. 
Well, the, yeah, I, yeah. I think, but but to to, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but but Bernie, I, th- I think to John's point, it's it's not even necessarily talking before the game. Yeah, it, it's it's talking in between media timeouts because oftentimes we're doing a game, you know, and and we go to a media timeout. I'll look at the stats and I'll see, you know, all of a sudden someone has you know committed four turnovers in their last six possessions, and I'll and I'll say I'll say John, I'll say man, they've committed four turnovers in the last six six possessions. What 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 happened? And then John will tell me what he think happened. And then all of a sudden, you know, all right, guys, we're back in 10, 9, 8. And then, you know, we go live. John, we were just noticing during the break, you know, that, that uh, you know, whoever has committed four turnovers last six. And then John, so John is already prepped. He knows what I'm going to ask him. He's had a few seconds to think about it, formulate a thought. Right. So, so you know, it's not like we had a half an hour to plan that. It was kind of on the fly. So, so maybe... I mean, to your point, Bernie, you're right. Where, we don't yeah, have where, a whole lot where, of time. Yeah, where's that media timeout in our game? It doesn't. Well, but exist. we do have. We do normally have two or three minutes of a commercial break. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that would help. Maybe if I try with the players to say, "Hey, listen, when you come back, you know, this is what I'm going to ask you." Real quick, yeah, yeah. And, and give them at least a few seconds heads up. I don't know, John. Maybe, maybe that would help. That could, that could help. Well, well, here's the thing too. If you like, I just know when you asked me, Jeff, like you were like, "Man, they are really bombing right now." Like, you know, and that that felt personal. And so when you said that, I came, I got personal as well. We were just having a conversation. And so one of the things you can do is because right now they're not ready to, they don't have the professional button yet. So when you try to press your professional button or your live button, you usually fail at it because it's something that you have in practice. And so the other way to do that is just for them to be comfortable, you know, to have a conversation with you because everybody can carry on a conversation, I think. Um, in their comfortable settings, you would and think. So, yeah, you would think, right? <laughs> but if if I'm in the if I'm at a cookout with my family and I'm just chopping it up, I can go on forever, and so can they. But I'm I'll tell you this: a lot of the folks in my family as well. If you put that that camera on them, they'll freeze up just like anybody else. And so the That's goal it. is to try to make them as comfortable as possible. By first, you know, just saying, having a conversation, just chopping it up like Jeff was doing with me, like I had to do with a lot of my high school kids, just get them uncomfortable or get them comfortable to to talk about whatever that topic is. What did you think about that? And then they'll say what they feel because it's something that they are obviously passionate about, but they've already said it once and then they say it again and it just it comes out even more natural. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna try and make an effort to do that. And I'm thinking of a perfect example. And I don't mean to call her out, but Cheyenne Renner, in the when she just won, I think it was Fort Worth when she beat Connie Altice. Isn't I think I think it was yes. just this past week or two weeks ago when two we were down ago. there. Yeah. And and I was afraid. I, I wanted. I wanted the question I was going to ask Cheyenne. I didn't want to tell her what I was going to ask her, John, because mm-hmm. I wanted that raw emotion. Ah, uh, yeah. Because as, as soon as she, as soon as she won, just this release came over her, you know, like, like just because it's a long day. Right. And as soon yeah. as she hit that last shot and she won, it was just like, yes. And so, I, so I wanted to ask her and I wanted that real response. So my question to her was, Hey, when you won, I noticed it was this such huge sigh of relief that you won. What were you thinking about? Right. Which at the time I thought was a good question. <laughs> but but she answered by just saying, I was just so happy to be Connie. And that's it. And then and then where do you go from there? You know, right. and then all of a sudden now now I'm panicking because I got to come up with another question. Then we're under then we I gotta make sure I get Trey in because Trey's got got to get his question in. Now we're now all of a sudden we're running out of time. 
And, you know, it just kind of sets the tone for just an awkward situation. So maybe if I had handled that better and said, hey, listen, this is what I'm going to ask you when you come back. You know, mm. so just kind of take me through that moment and tell me about, you know, you know, what what led you to that? Maybe I don't know. Maybe that would help. I don't know. Well, you also you also need sometimes that raw emotion because that makes for great TV as well. When you get the answer that you're looking for, um, you know, yeah. I, I, I remember right. we won our conference championship and uh, I think it was Alfonso Ellis that asked me, you know, what's going through your head. And I, I was teary eyed. I was happy. My dad's hugging me. I'm celebrating and I'm giving you the raw emotion that a lot of folks on TV are looking for the, and, you know, you're pulling their heartstrings with things like that. Yeah. And so you also, you know, have to understand that that can work. That is that is great TV. And I don't know. I think it's tough. It's it tough is. because you want that, especially after a championship and, and things like that, so that they're not scripted. Uh, but you also don't want an answer like that. I just wanted to beat Connie. I hate her. That's how I felt. <laughs> the <new one. laughs> now, that would have been good. I, I that would have been, that. That been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah we, we, we get a lot, unfortunately, with some of our players, like Jeff just said, we get a lot of that one sentence answer and then stone face. Yeah. And that's I, and we don't we don't where do you go for like to Jeff's point, where do you go from there? And that's what the players don't really understand is we can't really do much with that. Yes. You know, it's, yes. The, it's the sun in the sky. Yes, it is. Yes. Hey guys, guys, I'm sorry. As always, we've got 30 seconds left. So, John, I told you this was going to happen. We start talking, you did. talking, you did talking. Tell me. You and all did. of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's over. Absolutely. So, uh, so, hey, we will for sure have you. Seriously, a lot of great things for everybody to think about. So, thank you so much for coming on. We'll have Absolutely. you on again because so many other things I want to talk to you about, about your mental strength and and your desire and passion and, and what it took for you to get to the level you got at. So, a lot more to talk about. But thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it, man. And we'll keep in touch. We'll have you on again. Thanks for having me, guys. I had a blast. All right, Bernie. We're off to uh, Phoenix. Yes, sir. Be there. Right, I'll be there travel. at the end of this day, actually. All right, John. Thanks again, Bernie. I will see you in Phoenix. Yes, sir. Hi, right, guys. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Bye.